0: And then uh, right in that moment, I didn't see it, but my front tire went into a huge grassed over pothole and I spearheaded into the ground and instantly knew that I had done spinal cord injury and injured my spine.
1: This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a main business leader whose life or business was upended in one day and learned how they navigated their way back. If all great changes are preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to help us make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank, Maine Technology Institute, or MTI, and Sutherland Weston.
2: Remember why you went into business? You can say to fulfill a dream or change the world, but I'll bet the real reason you went into business was to make money. So how are you doing? And would you like to do better? Sutherland Weston Marketing Communications has been helping Maine businesses better do what they were built to do, make money, by reaching audiences, catching eyes and ears, and helping them make the sale. Worth a phone call? Find Sutherland Weston Marketing Communications online at SutherlandWeston.com.
1: Welcome. It's Donna Broussard here with the MaineBiz Biz podcast, The Day That Changed Everything. Today, we have Jim and Brigitte Gill from Fernwood Cove Camp in Harrison, Maine, and they're here to share their story about the day that changed everything. Welcome. Thank, Thank you for having us. us. So my understanding is that you guys bought Fernwood Cove Camp in 2004. Tell us a little bit about that and what the camp is all about.
0: Yeah, there's a a big story in that, you know, I came from Australia and wanted to be a summer camp counselor. Um, Before that, I was a registered nurse in Australia. And Jim and I, I came over to Camp Fernwood to be a summer camp counsellor and teach swimming. And that was in the summer of 2002. And that's when I met Jim.
2: And so we, uh, we met at, it's actually a different camp. Camp Fernwood is different than Fernwood Cove. Camp Fernwood is a full season camp in Poland, Maine. And uh, Fernwood Cove is a half season all girls camp, which is primarily serves people from out of state that send their children to Maine uh, for the summer for only half a season. But we do a full traditional camp experience in half the time. So we are two sprints rather than one big marathon that most full season camps do. And um, we have a population of 200 campers with 130 staff in each session. And so our staff stay all summer. Jim had worked at Camp Firmwood for 10 years. I had worked at yeah, I'd worked at Camp Firmwood for 10 years prior, and I was actually part of the team that came and help develop and establish Maine's first half-season girls camp which was firmware code and many people think of camping as you know I often get the question oh well, when do the kids arrive and what do you do in the other half of the other part of the season And believe it or not camping is we do more work in the off-season than we do in the summer in the summertime is our cruising time because if we've done all our work and everything in advance then everything goes smooth during the summer
0: and um, so we met at camp Firmwood and then got um, oh. married in 2003, and then we moved up to Alaska. And right. the director of Camp Firm was sent, got on the phone to Jim one day and had a conversation with him and said, Jim, Firm coast for sale. You should buy it. And Jim, what did you say? I was like, oh, me? yeah,
2: thanks for thinking of us. Uh, but, um, you know, we're born on our way to the north, north end of the South Island in New Zealand. And uh, that's where we were headed. And uh, at the time, I wasn't interested. I hadn't even thought of owning a summer camp. So. And then
0: offhandedly, he got off the phone and shared the, the story to me that Fritz had talked about that we should, should buy Ferman Cove. And I said, we should. We met at camp. We love camp. And so that started our journey on purchasing
1: Ferman Cove in 2004. Did you have to put a lot of work into it? Did you have to put a lot of investment into the camp once you purchased it?
2: So the facility had been run as a boys camp from 1920 to 1983 1983 and so the camp had remained from 83 on to um, 98 1998 had been absolutely vacant the buildings were dilapidated fallen in porcupines eaten all the floors out so the facility itself on the physical plant was in desperate repairs but in when camp fernwood bought the property that um in 1998 they put a lot of money into reestablishing, rebuilding. And so a lot of the things that had been refurbished, and that was one of the selling points I said to Bijat once, we, once I got my head around the fact that, hey, this is a good idea. Like Every building there is new. It's um, We won't have to do anything, Oops. which uh, was a bit of a, yeah, it was not even a bit of a, it was very, very well, overstated in our understanding. Uh, we have a lot of
0: dreams <laughs> and visions. And right. So we have invested a lot over the
2: years. I would say that every year since we've owned this place, with very few exceptions, we've had a major reconstruction or new construction project going on. And those projects have to take place in the fall through the winter. We don't have the luxury of building during the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody has to be done by the end of May. Done. Uh, We have our staff starting to arrive on Memorial Day weekend.
1: So everything is going along. The camp is being successful. You're able to build up a good business for yourself. And the year 2011 happens and you had a great summer season, I'm assuming, that year.
2: Yeah, we had an amazing season. Matter of fact, we had just demoed one of the massive, it's basically the lodge. It was a massive building. We just absolutely, literally took an excavator, uh, demoed it and burnt it in place. And we were in the process of excavating that out to put a full foundation under it, where that was going to go and all that stuff. And yeah, yeah, and we, um, it was Labor Day weekend and, yeah. uh, we went for a family bike ride
0: and our business is going incredible. It oh, um, was the recession. Right, in, in
2: 2007 2008. 2007
0: 2008 was the recession and uh, we were it out of being, that like impact you know yeah. building up and it was like one of our most successful summers
2: it was yeah
0: and then in september 2011 is when i had my accident
1: yeah do you want to tell us a little bit about that
0: I'm sure so it was a beautiful september labor day and jim was planning on going a bi- bicycle ride with uh one of our children parent and tagging him along behind his bicycle and and i was like i was going to make i think tomato soup out of the fresh tomatoes out of our garden but then i thought oh, what a great opportunity to spend some time together as a family and um i'll come along with you and so um sylvia and i joined Perrin, my son, and we travelled like a couple of hours here um, and went to a national forest over in New Hampshire. We in the White Mountain National
2: Forest yeah, yeah. up by Burrow in New Hampshire.
0: Just yeah. to go for a, a ride, a bicycle yeah. ride together as a family and we were um, exploring one of the tow trails in the forest and so we're on our mountain bikes. We weren't doing anything extreme. It was very like just... That was a fire trail. trail. So it was like right at the beginning of the bicycle ride within uh, five minutes. I was following Jim on my bicycle. He had the kids in the chariot that was towed behind him. And I was following him and I was on one tire track because it was a road. and
2: grassed in the middle. Grassed
0: in the middle. And I decided to change over to the other tire track. And then uh, right in that moment, I didn't see it, but my front tire went into a huge grassed-over pothole and I spearheaded into the ground and instantly knew that I had done spinal cord injury and injured my spine. I, I felt like my legs were up in the air, even though I was on the ground. I couldn't move. Both my hands had curled up in that, like, paralysis. Right. And I couldn't feel... Anything pretty much from my neck down and wow. couldn't move.
1: What was the diagnosis once you got to the hospital and they, yeah, what had happened?
0: Thankfully, Jim had a. We had an old cell phone that worked, and he was able to call 911, and we got a response within half an hour to that location, <laughs> which
2: was crazy. If you saw where we were at, yeah. we were behind a gated road as well because we didn't want to ride where there was no traffic. That was our yeah. intention to be safe. And so. they did everything yeah.
0: like with, you know, the log rolling and had to exit me out of there on the back of a pickup truck to an ambulance. And then they took me to the local um, hospital at the time. And,
2: In Berlin, uh, New Hampshire, yeah. They
0: were able to do a, a scan and they knew that it was serious from that point. And I already knew, um, you know, my background as a registered nurse, I taught lifeguarding, instructing, and, and I'd, already, I'd already cared for people with spinal cord injuries. So I knew that this was not going to be a quick recovery or long term diagnosis so so I, they transported me to main med in Portland and they did some more tests. They discovered a C six C seven fracture of my spine and spinal cord injury. So I went into surgery that night, and um, they um, screwed my spine back together.
2: They stabilized their spinal uh, spinal column. And when I was talking to the neurosurgeon that was going to perform the surgery, I you know he's like he said to me, it's life changing, you know. And, it, and I was like, okay. I was like, how how bad is it? And he says, well, I've seen a lot worse. Turned out a lot better than I ever thought it would. And he said, you know, and I've seen better injuries that are not this bad that went really bad i can't tell you anything and and that was the biggest thing at the time is that we didn't have a prognosis other than we don't know you know we'll have to wait and see it's what really happens. day by day it's day by day yeah and so yeah so she was out of surgery i think that so the injury had happened at like three or four that afternoon and if she was out of surgery by like three o'clock the next morning literally within Almost less than like twenty. It was twenty four hours. You know, less than twenty. She was done out of it and then started rehabilitation. at so mean,
0: I was in intensive care there.
2: For yeah, for, for a long time. Weeks.
0: And then my mother, we called up and told my parents.
2: And your mother flew over from Australia. Yeah. Yeah. to be with
0: me. For the whole thing. <laughs>
2: and and the and the whole time, the whole time, you know, it's um, we still have a business to run. Yeah, it's like we don't have campers here and there's no staff here and that sort of thing. And people think, oh, well, you're off till next year till the kids arrive. Well, no, because we have re-enrollment that happens in the fall. We it's have a year-round business. It's a year-round business, you know, and we have bills to pay and all these different things that, I mean, it was running a business. It's basically like, a, you know, we have eight, there's eight full-time employees, you know, and so all of a sudden the leaders, the managers, the CEOs are gone. You know, like, what do you do? And I, But thankfully we had an amazing staff and they, they really did pick up the slack and, um, and stood and took
1: over okay we're going to want to hear more about that we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back mainers have an unrivaled work ethic an endless supply of ideas a boundless energy to create and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before which is why the Maine technology institute was created to support nurture and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org.
0: That's one blessing that is that I do feel so grateful for being able to continue what I do and do what I love to do.
1: We're back and we're talking to Jim and Bajit Gill from Fernwood Cove Camp and we've just learned how Bajit had a serious biking accident in 2011 where she had a major spinal injury. So guys, I'm glad that Bajit was able to get the help that she needed and um, obviously there's been a lot of rehabilitation happening and like you said yeah. Jim, you've had to do that at the same time run your business. That must have been a real challenge.
2: It, it was and, uh, the, the, and there was multiple things that we were juggling um at the time because um our insurance company uh, which we'll leave out of this uh, was uh refusing to uh, to help our health insurance was refusing to uh send her to uh a rehabilitation that we wanted her to go to that, that was in network and it just the shepherd center down in Atlanta Georgia so that was going on we had the the new construction of our, our main lodge building and then now I have a wife that's we don't know the you know the outcome or the potential we finally did get the insurance company after a couple of weeks of fighting with them pretty furiously and many people involved including three different state senators involved in that to make it happen but uh the things that then we had to focus on were okay once i got to push out to, to rehab was i still have the construction going on I've got no money coming in right now because I haven't been up there. I'm not recruiting. I was the major, I was the recruiter. I travel all over the country for the rest of the season and recruit kids to come to camp, so that wasn't going on. And then now my wife, who's in rehab down in Atlanta, Georgia, um, I said to her, like, what is it you're going to need? You know, what, ask talk to your, your you know, all the different people, your therapist, and say, hey, what sort of facility you she going to need? What, what's going to happen? And Bajet said to me, she goes, I only want, the only thing I really want is to be able to get anywhere the kids can go. At
1: the and club. if you,
2: well, well, just our, no, our children, oh, our personal children, children our yeah, children, so we I have two have children. Yeah, and so- A two
0: year old at the time and a four year old. Yeah.
2: Anywhere they can go. The
0: building and their bedrooms were
2: upstairs. And stairs that aren't to code and they're steep and you know all sorts of different things. So I brought a contractor in to look, to see what we could do to change the house. And he just looked at me and he shook his head and he's like, Jim, just build another house. It, and that's what he said, is because it, he was, what it's going to cost you to change this, you could build another house for it. And, um, and so that's what I set out to do. I went back and forth. We, we have a builder that uh, does a lot of our buildings here. His timeline was not going to cut it. And so I ultimately went down in uh, on Route 26 in Oxford, Maine, and there's uh, half a dozen manufactured home you know, places there. I rocked into one. I told my story. This is what I need. And... They said we're booked out until January of next year. And this is, you know, in the in the end of September, first of October. I'm like, I need it before that. Is there something we can do? They went had a little powwow, came back and said, Yes, we can set your house. Yeah, you would know, be the next one as soon as it's built. And I said, Okay, let's go. Next day I sat down with the engineer, eight in eight hours we planned the the home. Six weeks later we moved into it wow. with Bijet Home. With Busy at Home for Christmas.
0: So um, yeah. we, we received a lot of support from our camper families and uh, they were always, you know, there were so many people that reached out and were so generous and kind and cards. I must have received over a 1,000 letters when I was at rehab from campers and camper families and staff. And, you know, on that personal note, we had camp counsellors that coordinated the ch- childcare for our children. So while Jim was busy, like, trying to run the business, do the um, new construction on the...
2: Two places now. On the
0: theatre <laughs> and the offer, and then yeah. the, the house. Right. And we thankfully, our children had the support of, like, camp councils that had been here in the past and cared for them, and then they coordinated, like, you know, who would look after them every couple of months.
2: So, so they're so taking like two really months' incredible. swings. I have someone new living in our house. And yeah,
0: full time, nanny. Full time, is daddy pretty
2: much. And have um,
0: after
1: you, too, probably cooking meals.
2: Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cooking, cooking that, feeding me, making sure I was still all right. And that's um, great.
1: So, yeah. were you able to open camp that summer 2012? Yeah. Yeah,
2: we opened it. And, matter of fact, what was really interesting was the outpouring of support from our clients and our families. It was amazing. They were actually. The biggest part of why Vichette ended up down at Shepherd Center and rehab where we wanted her, because of their connections and who they knew, and that sort of thing. It wasn't my kicking the hornet's nest, if you will. It was uh, it was all of them, and they. There
0: was a lot of questions.
2: Oh, yes, so yeah, and there were there were and there were people that didn't understand her injury like can she talk? and she what's going on. So what we did was we had, uh, I mentioned this to one of our uh, friends who's actually produces all of our emotional material our videos and things. And he goes, Jim, I gotta get her story. I'll, I'll put it out for your parents and pro bono, he drove down to Atlanta, Georgia did a video of Vijette and where she was at and what yeah. was going through. So, um, so we could put that out to our family so they could see her, how she was doing. And it, it, that in itself just answers so many questions. And and it's really interesting when it comes to people in wheelchairs because adults see wheelchairs, children don't. And the reason I say that is, is we had a counselor here that used to wear her hair exactly the same as Vijette but in a ponytail who mm-hmm. is able-bodied and can walk. And this counselor came down after this summer, came. Down to our house laughing, and she goes, You never believe it just happened to me. She says, I had these two little kids right up behind me going, Bijet, Bijette. And they're mistaking her for Bijet. And and it's so interesting now, um, my perspective. When I see someone in a chair or someone that's disabled, I have a very different take on it, obviously, but it's adults that have the issue with it. Children have none mm-hmm. and no uh, hesitations. And so when a child asks, Oh, wait, what happened to you or what's wrong? And the adult gets mortified that this was this horrible question to ask. It's not. The person that's in the chair definitely knows what happened to them, and they can share that story. Right. You know, and uh, and my my kids have learned some valuable lessons. Well, I made four choices, or I did this, or that was not a good thing for me to be doing. And so, they, and they do ask those questions, and children are innocent in that. It's just the adults that have the issue.
1: So you were able to open up that summer, and Brigitte, were yeah. you able to participate in the same way yeah. or in a modified so way?
0: so my role here at Fenwell Cove really didn't change a lot in regards to what I was able to do. In in the sense, you know, I did all the business management side of things. So I, during the off-season, I spent a lot of time with managing the books and everything. But during the on-season, I'm very active and very involved with the campus. And my experience at Shepherd Centre was integral in being able to continue my job in the, in the summer because they really took an assessment of, what my career was like prior to the accident and what I would need in order to continue that through the next summer and years to come. And so they really um, found the, the best like power chair that I would need in order to get me all over the property. And so I have this power chair that can get me all over the property, the new building that we built, was accessible on the main level and because it was new there was like a ramp stage which was important and then the dining hall uh, our limitations were that we didn't have ramps everywhere such as bunks and so I remember like for the first year gym or one of the counsellors would carry me into the bunks so I could spend some time in the bunks with the campus during bunk circle in the evenings and uh, the, the only other thing that was difficult, I used to be a lifeguard instructor and I wasn't able to continue teaching our staff. So thankfully we had staff on our full-time team that could take that and continue that and make that happen. But uh, that's one blessing that is that I do feel so grateful for being able to continue what I do and do what I love to do. That
2: sounds good. I have to, I have to, to just put it in perspective on Bajet's attitude and her ability to deal with this far exceeds anything that I think I could do personally or any most people. Um, her, I, I think the only time I saw her down, was I think it was probably at the moment of the injury. She asked me, she said, "Are are you going to stick with me to do this?" Aww. And that's what she. And that's the only thing. That would, and other than, that, I mean, she, she has her moments.
0: Are you making me cry now? <laughs> um, Very, sweet. Very sweet.
2: I, you know, I told her. I said I don't know if I could have ever, ever taken it that easily. Or I said I would have strapped myself in that chair and driven myself off to the, the dock as soon as I got back. You know, Aww. and. Um, She's never missed a beat. She drives. She takes kids to soccer. She does grocery shopping. You know, it's like she's like a regular soccer mom. It's just she's in a wheelchair.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and sort of think about what does this mean, and what do we all learn from this, and what we can take away from this, and we'll be back. This is not business as usual. Now more than ever, the Norway Savings Business Lending Team is here to help make sure you're still able to do what you do. But let's face it. This is not an easy time. We will get through it together. It's a great comfort seeing the business community in Maine rallying around one another. It's our job to rally around you. Norway Savings. Live your life in color.
2: If you get down and you get focused on what's wrong and what you can't control, then it's just gonna take you into places that are never gonna be helpful.
1: Hi, it's Donna Broussard. I'm here again with Jim and Brigitte Gill. And we're talking about her recovery from a serious spinal injury and how she has adapted and the camp has adapted and how she's been able to carry on and the camp has been moving forward and as successful as ever. So let's talk a little bit about now that we've sort of passed this and Brigitte, you know, as Jim said, you're just the typical soccer, soccer mom out there, shopping, driving, doing your thing, and taking part and doing your job, albeit in a wheelchair. Um, let's talk about what did we learn from this experience, and what other people might take away from hearing your story about the day that changed everything.
0: Uh, um, I think, from a personal note,
1: you know, I've had to
0: really learn how to focus on what I can do and not on what I can't. And so that's a daily challenge and it's sort of, it's an attitude. It's a way to move forward and it helps emotionally when you're focusing on what you can do. Also, I have to practice and I choose to practice being grateful and appreciative. And so um, while this was definitely and is a challenging thing in my life, um, I still have so much to be grateful for and that helps me on a daily basis. I definitely use meditation and breathing exercises Um, to help me through the daily life. And really one of the biggest things that continues to help us this day, to this day, is the support of others, whether it be employees, the firm and community, community, the larger camping community and industry. Every day I still dream and vision and focus on what I can do and um, the camping industry is a wonderful industry to be a part of because everyone's got a growth mindset and they're learning and supportive of each other. And I am the main summer camp president right now. So while I definitely had challenges in my career, um, I've definitely been able to still move forward and focus on being the best I can be
1: on every day. And what would you say would be the lesson learned from a, from a business perspective?
2: From the business perspective, I mean, you have to take any adversity, you know, and turn it to your advantage, not necessarily, Look at that because if you get down and you get focused on what's wrong and what you can't control, then it's mm-hmm. just going to take you into places that are never going to be helpful. Um, this virus is one of them. COVID-19 is one of them. We can't control any of this going on right now. We have to take it for what it is, but we have to look for ways to do what we can to diversify. And We're looking to diversify our camp portfolio meaning that maybe we need to look at you running a year round and running different groups and different things like that instead of just focusing on the summer where it may not be a possibility and that's all comes from over years of experience you know like you, you have to like take each day and as things change and I always I, and, and I know in the media they love the word the reaction of someone that is not a word we allow at camp we don't react to camp especially as leaders we respond Our response is a thoughtful planned out Action that you do next. Uh, reaction is what you usually do from an emotional level, and when you're emotionally charged, you don't usually make good decisions. So I hate that word reaction. Facebook uses it. This media uses it everywhere. Their reaction. And I was like, oh, could be response. If people wanted to put it in there. <laughs> so anyway, so you have to respond, and that's respond, and that's what we did. And our response. And it's so interesting too, even how we've evolved. Like even as, when I first initially was Bijette was first injured. I didn't know what to tell parents that didn't know us or families that didn't know us. Like, I didn't know what to say. So I was telling them about Bichette, that she's in a chair, this is families that didn't know us, you know? And so they kind of gave me this like, oh, well, thanks for letting us know, you know, look, and I could see this, like, that wasn't going well with them. And I was like, I mentioned it to my office manager at the time and she's like, Jim, why did I tell them? She goes, would you tell them if she had a limp or if she had a mole on the side of her nose or something? <laughs> would you tell them that? She's like, don't even mention it. It doesn't matter. It's not about who she is. You know, It has nothing to do with who she is. And like, why would you tell them? And I was like, thank you for the voice of reason here. And uh, so, yeah, you learn through these things. And, you know, and we're all about being a transparent business. Our families know what we're doing all the time, what we're like. And I always say that, you know, you don't ever choose a camp, you choose camp directors and we treat your children as we treat our own children. And um, and if you're in line with that, then we're a great match. And so it's so interesting how people are more, I would say, open-minded now when they see Bichette and meet her for the first time.
1: So the story of the day that changed everything due to Brigitte's accident sort of has a good ending here. But the, the new story, the new story of the day that changed everything for you guys is obviously having to close the summer because of the COVID. And so we don't yeah. know the end of that story yet. But it seems like you've taken some of the lessons you learned from the first thing, and have applied it now more than ever, which I think is a great thing that everybody can take can learn from in terms of yes. responding and moving forward, no matter what and being creative and innovative. What are some of the things you you mentioned a little bit, some of the things you're thinking about? What are some of the innovations you're thinking about doing? So we're, you know,
0: looking at, with the new buildings that we have built over the years, um, they uh, have the capacity of being year-round. One is already a year-round building.
2: Well, you're starting a new business. Do you want to talk about that?
0: Yeah. So (laughs) I'm also starting a new business that's being formed. It's Island Pond Events. It's, Working towards having retreats, weddings, conferences, uh, anything here uh, during the off season. Um, So,
2: which is currently this summer right now, but (laughs) which typically it is. It yeah,
0: yeah. And so we're moving into that direction. Um, You know, I do see that this not having camp this summer and the financial impact is nearly a bigger challenge than my personal. Um, story like eight years ago with it because there's so many uncertainties and the financial impact is way bigger than it was eight years ago in regards to being able to continue the business and moving forward and the support of our families Um, and uh, with the camping industry you know making the majority of its revenue in two months of the year and we're not being able to do that it's a significant impact of 14 months of loss of revenue Mm -hmm. you know a lot of industries had the two months or three months um, or slow down or weren't able to open. However, the camping industry, when that happens, it's really impacting for 12, 14 months, maybe 22 months, depending on what summer 2021 looks like. And right. so we're having to utilise all the skills that we learned eight years ago about focusing on what we can control, right. like you mentioned. It's like, okay, what can we do about it? And so that's, as you know, working with our banks, working with our families, working with, Um, The copy release. (laughs) The accountant, like, trying to figure out cash flow, flow, like, analysis for the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. And um, we're really, you know, our job right now is so business heavy. It's not what we're used to. We're used to being very um, relational and personal and, like, dealing with our clients on a a personal level. And, And now it's like we're in the office, like, slugging away, trying to figure out how do we make this work and what do we need to put in place to move forward and, Right. I'm also with the Maine Summer Camps and working with them to figure out what as an industry we can do to help all camps
1: in Maine. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. We appreciate it. And we wish you the best of luck. And we're glad to see you. you. Glad to see you guys smiling and surviving and doing well (laughs) and enjoying this. We should just enjoy the summer as it is. Yeah, on a
2: a positive silver lining of this is that my family, I'm from Maine, grew up in Maine, but my family... And I have never had a main summer since Shed and I have been married because we've been in the summer camp business. And so our children and I are we're all in, we're all having a main summer. We get to go up to our place at Moosehead, we get to, you know, do those uh, go to the beach, go to, you know, do the things that we never had a chance to do um, ever. So that is the silver lining.
1: This has been a production of Main Biz. Find out more about this podcast and other MaineBiz media products at mainbiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by Norway Savings Bank, Maine Technology Institute or MTI, and Sutherland Weston. The MaineBiz podcast team includes Renee Cordes, Will Hall, Maureen Milliken, Alison Nason, Andrea Tetzlaff, and Donna Broussard. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedenka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. The Main Biz podcast team also thanks Peter Van Allen, Betsy Vanderplug, Ken Hansen for their contributions. Subscribe to the Main Biz podcast at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Copyright 2020.